When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is the Easter long weekend. If you have it off, I hope it's going to be a good one, full of fun and relaxation, maybe a little bit of food along the way. And if you do have a shift or two, hey, thanks for joining us on Inside Sports. Hope your work goes smoothly if you do have to keep that paycheck coming in here over the Easter weekend. My name is Reed Wilkins. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. The Oilers back at it tomorrow, visiting the San Jose Sharks. Of course, it's on 630, Chet. I'll join you at 1230 for the face-off show, and the puck will drop at 2 as the Oilers go after their seventh consecutive victory. Incredible run for Edmonton. They have not lost in regulation time since March 11th. We got a best-of edition of the program tonight. We're going to bring you some of our favorite segments over the last few weeks. You'll hear from a couple of former members of the Edmonton Oilers, Laddie Schmid and Jason Chimera. We got Hockey Hall of Famer Brian Trotche on as well. And we're going to kick it off here with football and a great local story. He won the Grey Cup with the Toronto Argos back in November. He has since signed with the Montreal Alouettes. But a couple weeks ago, offensive lineman Justin Lawrence got to bring the Grey Cup home. An incredible weekend. Um, got the, had the pleasure of bringing the Grey Cup home this weekend. I uh, flew out to Toronto on Thursday, first thing in the morning, and then flew back that night. And then, you know, had a pretty uh, jam-packed weekend. So I, uh, you know, got off to a lot of stuff. The, the first day I had it on the Friday, I took it to all three of my schools I went to in Spurs Grove. So my, my uh, elementary school, Brookwood, my middle school, Greystone, and then my high school, Spurs Grove Comp. And then, you know, went to a couple uh, community teams around the area and then get a massive fundraiser the Friday night at the Spruce Grove Brew House for a, um, a program called the Connection and Compassion Community Foundation um, which is like a local at-risk youth group ran by some amazing ladies who I got to meet. They're actually out of Spruce Grove and um, it was an incredible event. We raised uh, around $6,000 for them um, which was you know beyond awesome and uh, Spruce Grove Brew House did a great job of matching whatever we you know got that night and then Saturday, um, kind of was a little bit more laid back, but went and visited my grandparents um, at their place in Leduc. It's a 55-plus building, so got to go meet a lot of their uh, friends and families around that area. And then um, visited a local brewery in Spurs Grove called Ravenport. Um, got to meet the awesome owners there. One of the ladies is actually um, a city councilor in uh, Spurs Grove. 
Um, unbelievable people, great place to be. Um, so they, they gave us some great hospitality. And then Saturday night was uh, a little bit of a tour of downtown Edmonton, which uh, luckily the, the Great Cup survived. Um, a lot of people got to, you know, check it out and have a great experience with it. And then uh, Sunday... Um, we, you know, did a shot a little uh, interview with my family. I um, had the pleasure of working with a great crew this weekend. Um, uh, Red from Rad Films, he kind of videoed uh, most of Friday, and you know, kind of got to like get a little bit of an insight of you know my story and get to meet my family and stuff like that. And then a good buddy of mine, Peya from Medvedev uh, Media, he shot everything, got me some great pictures, you know, some good memories from my family with the cup, and so you know. We did that and then got to visit uh, the U of A Bears Academy from 1.30 to 2, uh, 2.30 to uh, see some of the players who are in the academy, the you know younger guys, the kids who are in high school, um, you know, kind of give back to, you know, a program. Not only did I play for the U of A, but, uh, you know, I was in the academy in a lot of the camps growing up, too, as a kid, so that was really special. And then took them to a, a local restaurant in Stony Plain where I got to hang with a lot of close friends and family, come out and, you know, chat with them to hang with them and then Monday uh, to kind of wrap it all up uh, went to a school in Edmonton called Earl Buxton did a presentation with the kids there they, they were amazing and then you know spent pretty much the the grand majority of the afternoon going to the Alberta Stollery Children's Hospital um, spent about four hours there you know kind of going around the different sections you know um, and if kids were up for it they uh, you know went and took a great cup to them they got to check it out get pictures with it um, gave them some signed cards and stuff and then, you know, topped it off with uh, um, city council, you know, giving me the pleasure of going there and um, getting recognized by them and, you know, giving them a jersey and stuff like that. And uh, I'm telling you, it was just a, it was a very incredible weekend, a very long weekend, but uh, I'm forever thankful for it. Well, okay. Well, that does sound absolutely incredible. <laughs> you, you crammed all that in and you shared the great cup and your success with so many people who helped you get there and when you're out in public and as you said uh that the uh the uh, cup got a, a bit of an outing in downtown edmonton what, what's the reaction when somebody sees the great cup and, and you know you obviously probably mingled with some people who are, are fans and didn't even think they'd be uh, at an establishment to see the great cup what kind of reaction do you get so I, I, the two majority of reactions I got was either is that the Stanley Cup or is that the that's not the real Grey Cup, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I thought it was hilarious every time. I'm like, for the people who called it the Stanley Cup, I'm like, well, it's kind of the Stanley Cup. It's just the Canadian football version of it. <laughs> and then the other people, I'm like, I'm like, no, this isn't no duplicate of the Grey Cup. I'm like, this is the real thing. So now, are you are you in the cup supervised? I know the Stanley Cup has a cup keeper is there somebody hovering the entire time just to make sure or what's the protocol you know the cup keeper was myself and my family <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what i'm gonna tell you right now Reed. the beautiful thing about cfl and the great cup is i call the great cup the the people's trophy um because i'm like any of the other trophies you know I, I got to take it around and you know people got to grab it hold it and throw it above their head and you know have a good time with it and that's you know, one of the really special things about the CFL is, like I said, it, it's the people's cup and it's the people's games because um, it, it's so easy for the fans to be able to relate and, you know, for us to be able to take it anywhere we want. 
want and share with everyone is so awesome without any kind of restrictions, right? Justin Lawrence uh, joining us tonight uh, from the Montreal Alouettes, a 2022 Grey Cup champ with the Argos, and he was telling you being in his uh, hometown of Spruce Grove uh, and area with the uh, Cup here over the, the last few days. Now, I, I believe, you correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, uh, and, and I should be more sure of myself here because you and I have talked several times, but I believe with Calgary in 2018, uh, you were on the practice roster for the actual Grey Cup. So did you get a, a weekend with the Cup after the 18 championship? No, so, you, so you're right, 100%. I was on the practice roster for 2018, um, but I never got a chance to um, get the Cup back to my hometown that time around. So um, I, I'm, I'm sure the the guy who was managing the Grey Cup out in Toronto kind of got sick of me because I was bugging the heck out of him to get it out here. <laughs> but I, like I said, it, it's, uh, it's a, such a special moment that I was like, I'm doing everything I could to make sure it got out here. Okay, well, thanks for telling that story, and I'm glad you had such a great experience with it. Look, i, I got to ask you a couple more serious questions, so forgive me. Uh, you made the decision to change teams through eight for free agency, and, and you've signed with Montreal. I, I, I have to ask, though, because Montreal's had a little bit of financial slash ownership instability here. Um, did that factor at all into your decision about going to the Alouettes? Like, how did you finally land on them? So, honestly, it was a combination of things and why I ended up signing with Montreal. Um, at the end of the day, like, everything that was going on with the ownership of the Montreal um, Alouettes, I really wasn't too concerned with it. Uh, I had a great talk with my uh, agent, who's actually out of Montreal. And, you know, at the end of the day, whether they found an owner, which thankfully they did, and I, I think it puts the team in a great situation, or if it was operated by the CFL itself, um, the team was in a good spot, and every, all the, the funding and all that kind of stuff was still going to be in place. So um, I know I, I think the media really made the situation worse than it actually was. Um, so, you know, going into free agency and all that, I, I never really took much of that into account. But, you know, I, I was just absolutely excited about the, you know, the opportunity, not only for me, but the, the team in Montreal. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, an amazing fit. And I, you know, had the opportunity of, having a chat with Jason Moss, the head coach there now, who uh, most people around this area know is, a, you know, an Edmonton legend. Um, so I had a great conversation with him. And, you know, the beautiful thing about this game is everyone kind of knows everyone. And, you know, Chris Morris, my university head coach, uh, Tim Princeton, who was my online coach at University of Alberta, uh, played with that guy. So, you know, um, here, hearing the words they had to say about him and, you know, just giving me that positive feedback on him, it, it was really a no-brainer for me to, you know, end up there. And I'm really, like I said, I'm really excited about the opportunities there. And I think, you know, just like we did in Toronto in 2022, I think we have a, a very special opportunity to, to uh, you know, do some great things this season. All right. Well, all the best uh, there, except when you're playing the Elks, of course. I always say that. The nice thing is it's only once this season. Oh, right, because it's not a full uh, double double schedule anymore. The two meetings, yeah, so only pull the, pull the play them once. I, I, I'm sure you're fully back into training and all that kind of stuff because you know things get going here in, in May uh what, what like you've been watching oilers uh what, what have you been doing uh, otherwise when you got some some downtime 
Yeah, I've just been, like you said, I've been training, getting ready for the season. And then um, I kind of mentioned a bit, like I did a, I did a coaching tournament out in um, out in Texas, which was a little bit like I've always kind of coached, but to actually coach a full team and, you know, do that full time was really fun for me. Um, just spending time with my family. I've been also working for a nonprofit organization called The Voice, um, which basically we do like cater programs at school where we go in and, you know, talk to kids and, um, you know, just talk about the daily problems that they're going through and you know my face throughout their you know young lives as they grow up so uh, I've been keeping busy man and uh, just trying to be as uh, into the community as I can and get back as much as I can so it, it's been really special and fun for me to kind of like come back and you know just like I said give back to the community that you know was so great to me. That is Justin Lawrence, always a great guest and what a magical couple of days that was for him bringing the Grey Cup back to his hometown. Really cool story. We're going to catch up with Laddie Schmid next. Best of Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Laddie Schmid has settled in Edmonton after his pro hockey career came to an end. He's been working with the Edmonton Oil Kings as a development coach. He's been watching a lot of Oilers hockey along the way as well. He's been enjoying, uh, been enjoying the addition of Matthias Ekholm on the back end. And uh, I caught up with Laddie Schmid, who recently was part of the dad's team as they took on their kids in a uh, father versus sons game to wrap up the minor hockey season. I was having my my son's uh, hockey team wrap up uh, wrap up uh, scrimmage practice and wrap up parties. Uh, you know, I'm busy busy guy busy guy these days uh, between uh, Oil Kings and my my son's hockey and and also my daughter's figure skating. You know, it's uh, it's a busy life now. So, okay, was that the game where it was the the kids against the the adults or the dads or the coaches or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. My son wasn't very happy with me because I. Uh, I, I tripped him a little bit and uh, he fell hard. Actually, I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. And uh, yeah, he tried to he tried to fight me and he didn't uh, he didn't talk to me for a couple night as well. So uh, oh, it didn't turn out very well. <laughs> How old is he? He's only eight, so uh, it's, <laughs> it was so, hilarious. So you're just, just out there, uh, yeah. You're still playing that rugged exactly game, eh? Yeah, yeah. He snaps exactly as I do, so uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be great uh, watching him growing up. <laughs> yeah. Also, is he a defenseman or a forward? Well, uh, I think he's he's leaning more towards to being defenseman. But I told him uh, forwards make more money, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, generally, the more you score, I mean, unless he can do yeah. what Eric Carlson is, is doing. But yeah, okay. I, yeah, unless you're him, yes. Okay, well, that's pretty fun. Thanks for sharing that story. I'll, I'll start on defense with you with the Oilers. Um, Matthias Ekholm. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was talking about this with Gazdick uh, last week, and I said, like, I saw him in Nashville. I saw him in the playoffs, but, like, he's better than I thought he was. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you see when you watch Ekholm? I, you know what? I, I have been a huge fan of his uh, since the end of the NHL. Like, not too many people, not too many people realize what he brings uh, brings to the game. You know, it's not just everybody talks about defense, defense, defense. Uh, 
he's all around really good defenseman. You know, he can produce between 25, 35 points. He can shut the, the people down. And and another thing he just proved since joining uh, Edmonton, he makes the players around him, uh, like Bouchard, much better. You know, I think he helped him big time. That uh, the veteran leader presence, you know, is huge. And, you know, he's uh, he, he went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, but he didn't win. So he's he's very hungry and love to see that. Uh, I, I thought it was a great addition. You know, I, I know a lot of people are hoping for Eric Carlson, but but this guy brings uh, a lot of a lot of things as well. And, you know, I, I think all of us are pretty happy to, to have him. And the playoff hasn't even started. I think he can he can uh, bring uh, even another level to his game. I'm glad you mentioned Bouchard because I wanted to ask you that. Bouchard's, I think his game has improved. He's playing more. His stats are better. Yeah. Is is that, like, how does one defenseman impact another one? I mean, if you've been in, in pairings and partnerships along the way as well, what is it that you think makes a guy click or, or maybe an, an older, what makes an older player help a younger player? Well, I, th- I think just brings a calmness to his game. You know, I, I, I'm sure, you know, Bouchard was... Uh, Used to playing with Duncan Keith, Hall of Famer, you know, and I don't, I don't think people realize how much, uh, how much uh, the Oilers miss uh, veteran pl- uh, presence like that, you know, in locker room. So when they lost him, you now Bouchard is only what 22. He's still really young, uh, you know, f- for a defenseman in the NHL. So now you bring this older guy who is, uh, who is like I said, who went to the finals, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, battles under his belt. And all of a sudden, Bouchard doesn't have to lead that deeper, you know. He can uh, rely on this guy. This guy ends plays. He's really good defensively. He makes simple passes. So Bouchard can do whatever he wants out there, you know. Uh, be himself. He doesn't have to worry about the other stuff. If he, you know, if he screws up, there's a go home there to bail him out. So, you know, it's probably a good first confidence. And, you know, really, really nice to see that. I got to ask you one more question about Ekholm. And, you know, he was mainly brought in to prevent goals, but he's almost a point a game. Like, how, what kind of swagger do you have to have to walk in and take a full slap shot from the bottom of the circle? Like, like, I I, I, I honestly, uh, my parents are just visiting from from Czech, so my dad is like almost 85 years old. And he he couldn't believe it when he saw that. When he saw it in the highlights, he's like, oh, Oh my God! Like this is crazy. Slap shot, top shelf, bottom, bottom circle. Like, yeah. Well, you obviously. Well, when you're hot, you're hot. You know, like you don't probably think about it. You just go with the flow, and you know, like you're in the zone. And obviously, he's in the zone. And I, I, I hope he, he's gonna be in the zone for 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 a while. Okay, so that's Laddie Schmidt loving Matthias Ekholm. And, well, looks like his kid is a chip off the old block. They nearly got into a fight in the fathers versus sons games. That's pretty funny. Hockey Hall of Famer Brian Trotche is next. Best of Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. The Oilers and the Sharks on 6.30, Chad. Tomorrow afternoon, face-off show will be at 12.30. The game will start at 2. Good Friday today. We got a best-of edition of the show. I got to catch up with Hockey Hall of Famer Brian Trotche, but we f- before we talked hockey, 
Trache had a bit of a musical story. I learned how to play guitar when I was 40. I could always like play music, uh, bass guitar, and kind of chord, learn the chords, that kind of stuff. But when I turned 40, I said, I learned how to strum this crazy little instrument and not uh, fun to go around a campfire and you know we, we do events and people get a big kick out of we don't watch any strum and try to sing but yeah no rob rob's been a part of it you know we, we've had uh, we've had events where uh try to do a little johnny cash or a little willie nelson and uh oh yeah it goes over big time like they can't believe that crazy old hockey player like me might be able to like strum a guitar and sing at the same time but uh, we had a family band going up so it was no big deal for me but it was it, it's kind of fun to see See the eyeballs pop when they when I jump on the stage and strum a guitar and sing a Johnny Cash song. Okay, well, well, good for you. And then you picked it up, uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, as your playing career was winding down. So, so good for you. you. You mentioned going to Pittsburgh, and I know you probably get asked about this a lot, but you'd won the four cups with the Islanders, or with the Islanders through the rest of the '80s, and then you go to this Pittsburgh team that. You know, they got Mario, they kept missing the playoffs, and then they're trying to get over the hump. What do you remember about coming to the play? Did it feel like they were on the verge of a, of, of a title when you got there, or what was it like? Well, I became a free agent in 90 uh, from the Islanders, and I called all the teams I thought that had had a chance. Mario's team was uh, obviously with him on the team, Paul Coffey, that a young young core group with Mark Recchi and John Cullen, I think Kevin Stevens. They were, they were bringing in the armor Yager, and I called Craig Patrick, and I said, Craig, do you think there's a chance, uh, you know, I could... I could help you out here on your on your quest to make the playoffs and push for uh, a Stanley Cup. And he goes, uh, well, Brian, why would you want to come to Pittsburgh? I said, because I want to win a cup with Mario Lemieux. He goes, I'll have a contract to you in 15 minutes. <laughs> so that's how fast it happened with Craig. I called a few other teams. I called Gretzky's uh, Bruce McDonald out in L.A. He was, he was very, very kind. And, uh, Jimmy Devlin out in Detroit. And then I was wanting to be Maple Leafs, so I called up the Maple Leafs and see if they were interested. And nobody, Neil Smith, was in uh, New York with the Rangers. That wasn't going over big time, but Neil was awesome. He still called me back. So everybody I called called back, which was great. But uh, Craig was the first one to, to drop drop a contract, and it was a great contract. And uh, boom, signed, and um, you know the rest is history. Yeah, two uh, two pretty exciting runs there to win the cup with the Penguins. This matchup tonight gets a, a lot yeah. of hype because it's McDavid and Crosby, and McDavid reached 800 points the other night against the Philadelphia Flyers, and it was interesting for me. And this is one thing I wanted to ask you about as well, because the the only players who did it faster with McDavid were Gretzky, Lemieux, Peter Stastny, and Mike Bossy, who did it 520 in 525 games. And unfortunately, we lost Mike uh, last April. But yep. you and he are always linked for those times with the Islanders. You know, when you see his name pop up in, in that conversation, um, you know, how does that make you feel? What do you remember? Well, it's really kind of fun. Like uh, the, the the players today, they they bring back the history of the old, which is great. You know, the the great players like Mike Boss and my teammate, who was just the purest of goal scorers. You know, he took great pride in contributing to the offense, but he was a goal scoring machine. And uh, obviously, with with that kind of knack, I think he was just an underrated playmaker, stick handler, and his speed and power was incredible. Uh, people didn't realize how strong he was, um, but his accuracy the power of his shot, all those things. But, you know, young McDavid, I mean, Mike Bossy paid him the highest compliment. He said he's the fastest human being he's ever seen in a pair of skates. I said, Mike, I'm stealing that line. And uh, But we both agreed that there's nobody we see fast that can stick handle and, you know, has the ability to see the ice at that speed. You know,
know, we had Guy Lafleur and Gilbert Perot, Bobby Orr prior too. But you know, to be able to do that at that speed is just incredible what he does. Uh, no, it is going to be a great game. You know, obviously Sydney uh, it's in Pittsburgh, so there's a lot of pride in, in going on the game. And both teams big points, so it should be a nice, intense game. So looking forward to a great, great match. The uh, the trade deadline is next Friday. Um, you know, I, I don't think you were ever worried about being traded at the deadline. Uh, but, you know, a lot of teams that won Cups or had good playoff runs, they made some key acquisitions uh, at, at or around the deadline. I think the Islanders teams had a couple of years like that. When you were playing, what, what do you remember about the deadline? Would you be hoping your GM did something or, or would you be thinking, no, no, I think we got a good group in here? I'm wondering what your experience was like. You know, we were young and, and kind of stupid, I guess, but I think all of us kind of like held our breath at trade deadlines. We didn't want to see our teammates get traded. It's kind of the dark side of the game when I played it because, you know, players were we're all pretty vulnerable, I think. Uh, you know, nobody was, was kind of like, uh, you know, so... so um, high and mighty that they thought they wouldn't get traded. We all kind of hoped, but uh, a young nucleus in New York, we you know, we felt we got, we're on something special here, so we didn't want to lose too many guys, but bringing a veteran like, like Butch Goring right at the trade deadline was huge. You know, bringing in Kenny Moore or, you know, after, after the uh, the uh, gold medal with Team USA was huge, and uh, those acquisitions, you know, they can they can change the chemistry for the good. Obviously, you don't want to be changing the chemistry for the bad. But I think anytime you can improve your team and you bring in a player who wants to win and wants to contribute, those are those are some major ingredients that you can help you help you you know the players that are there that are striving to you know achieve that ultimate goal of you know raising Lord Stanley over their heads. I mean, it is really. A, a great, great feeling. Once you do it once, you want to do it again. And Sydney wants to do it many, many times. And just like Connor wants to get her done here for the first time. So, but you want all the great players to, to have that feeling, you know, at least once in their career. And so it's amazing when it happens. And you kind of, kind of cheer, you know, you know, through your breath. Uh, if you can't cheer for Connor tonight, but boy, we cheer for him a lot. Um, you know, because he's an amazing young hockey player. But you know, here in Pittsburgh tonight, got to go with my home team here, my Penguins. Brian Trashy joining us on the Face Off show. I, I, I got to correct myself because what, in the last half hour of the show, I said I got six-time Stanley Cup champion Brian Trashy coming up. I neglected the one you got as an assistant coach with the Colorado Avalanche in 2001. You got seven cups. How, how did you compare the experience of winning it as a member of the coaching staff as opposed to winning it as a player? Yeah, no problem, Reed. Like that, I think. I think as as players, you know that that seems to be the ultimate goal. When you're a coach, you know you don't have that same um, ability to be on the ice and have something to do with the victory. And that's the biggest difference I noticed. But you know, preparing the players for the for, for the contest, you know, and then encouraging them and tweaking them through the game, and them coming up to you and thanking you after after a game or when we won the Stanley Cup in Colorado. Obviously, it was it's just an, a different kind of appreciation you have a, an appreciation number one for for the players they have an appreciation for you and what the coaching staff does and then obviously the fans and and to be able to share all that with with the colorado avalanche fans made it pretty special uh you know we're always kind of tied to uh denver because of that now and uh you know you have a little little ring to show off and and you know kind of celebrate the the moment with, with everybody so what they were able to do last year for for the city of denver you know i was very happy 
maybe for Joe Sackick and obviously for McKinnon and the crew. The, uh, God, they've got a wonderful young team. But, you know, there's a lot of teams. There's parity, and, and, and you get a couple injuries and a uh, hot goaltender. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, everybody needs goaltending come playoff time, as we all know, Reed. And, uh, you know, so we'll we'll see how it all plays out. It's, uh, it, it's anybody's contest to a degree, but, you know, the ones that have consistency, the ones that have the good chemistry and the teams that believe in themselves, well, you know what that does, you know. Those Oilers of old, you know, they, they had a tremendous crew. They knocked us off. We'd, but if you're going to lose to people, lose to great people. And they were not only great players, they are good people. And, you know, they were great ambassadors, great champions, and uh, good buddies to eat today. That's Brian Trache outstanding playing career won a cup as an assistant coach as well he's always a pleasure to speak with jason chimera coming up next best of inside sports on 6 30 chat you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on edmonton sports leader 6 30 chat alexander ovechkin 13 40 goal seasons that's the most ever in the National Hockey League, Edmontonian Jason Chimera spent a few years with Ovi in Washington. He always just scored goals no matter what. So I, I, I'd be lying to you and I said he'd be, he'd be scoring the same kind of clip he was. And, um, you know, kudos to him for keeping his... Uh, and there's one thing he can't deny is he's got that shot that kind of beats you no matter what. You you try to... As you know, he just stands in that spot in the power play and he literally just stands there and people still can't check it and, and goalies still can't read it and save it. So it's, it's, uh, it's quite amazing. Um, you know, it couldn't happen to a better guy. He's just a good teammate, good person. And, you know, you like to... You know, I, I never thought they, to see that that goal scoring record would be broken, but he he's, keeps on getting closer and closer, and it, it looks looks more legitimate every day. I'm I'm curious. He scores a ton. Did did he? You might sound this must be a weird question, but I think you'll know what I mean. Like, did he talk about scoring goals? Like, would he talk morning skate? I I I got a couple in me, or or hey, don't forget, I'm standing over there on the power play, or this is where I'm going to go tonight. Or did he just kind of go out there on instinct and do it? I think it's on instinct, and you know, on I was I was more on the third and fourth lines, Rito, so I didn't really play on those. I didn't really demand the puck for me, so. <laughs> Um, no, but he, he like he he would talk about where he's at with uh, with Bucky all the time and with with Kuznetsov. Did we lose Jason? Well, he seems to be still here. There he is. Oh, there he is. Okay, sorry, you cut out for a second there, Jason. I'm sorry. Let's oh, sorry. just yeah. You, you were sorry. saying he would talk a little bit to uh, uh, to Kuznetsov and a couple of the other guys about where he was going to be. Yeah, so like they they see little nuances on the PK or or during shifts or where, what what their what their defensive zone coverage was like, and he would just do different stuff, and they would be in different areas, and it just it would take them literally two steps one this with this way and this way, and they'd be that good, just kind of knowing where each other are. So it was pretty it was pretty cool to see, it, pretty cool to start out to talk about it, and they actually go and do it, which is which is pretty awesome. All right, well, speaking of going out and doing it. Uh, and, and I read some newspaper clips, well, newspaper and internet clips about Connor McDavid to start off the show, Jason. And then after I read them all, I said, by the way, those were written about Connor McDavid in 2014, and they still apply today. Speed, exciting the crowd, you know, getting to know people away from the ice if they're going through a tough time. I mean, it's interesting for you to see McDavid 
And for him, at least in my mind, at the very least, meeting expectations and maybe even exceeding them, as you're, as you're witnessing this, him doing this in the NHL now, what, like, what are you thinking? Um, it's just amazing. It's just, it, like, uh, I, I, as you know, I, I, I had some speed when I played, but I can never do stuff with a puck like he can with a puck. And, um, and just the way he plays and the, the goalie scored last night, just banking it off. And the, the goalie is just, it's not that easy. Like, it's just, like, it's, uh, they used to score the, like that stuff it, it, when I was Tom Tom. I used to score at will, but not, not at NHL level. So it was just, uh, it's pretty cool to see a guy at that level and, um, score different ways. And him and Dry working together is like, on Canny and he always he almost like are disappointed if they don't score on a shift because they're, they're they're that good because it's just uh, I, I I haven't seen that kind of level in, in my life that's for sure in my with watching TV and watching hockey and seeing anybody it just uh, it's pretty cool Evan is pretty lucky to have that guy you know be a part of your organization and I mean it's it's a special thing for sure so you mentioned the goal from behind the net and as you said when you were younger you could do that in the NHL would would most guys even have have the wherewithal to think about that because things are happening so fast, right? Well, I said I could score when I was when I was younger, not not bank it off. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you know, just the way their brain works. I think I think um, I don't know who started one one time. I think someone banked it off on the Washington. I never I never really thought about that. I never really thought about banking it off a goalie and and just the way those guys' minds work and just the way they. They, they have an ability to slow down. Um, maybe Brownie could attest to this because he was hell of a hell of a playmaker. He, he made some really good plays and scored a bunch too. And their mind slows down, and there's like, and you know, and a lot of more normal there's us normal folk to play in NHL or the people playing NHL. It just doesn't happen that easy. It's their mind slows to a pace where their feet are going so much, but their mind just going at, 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 a, at a snail's pace. They can see everything. They can see plays, make plays. They can see seams and see goalies drop a little bit and put it up. Like that one dry saddle shot was just amazing and like things like that happen and it's, it's not fluke. Like these guys these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. Um Jason Chabero joining his site on Insight Sports. Dry passing ability and there was an NHL Players Association poll uh yesterday, the day before. The days are kind of a blur. Um that that I the the players identified Dry Settle as the best passer in the league. Oh, yeah. Which impressed you more last night, the one to Nugent Hopkins or the spin around backhand pass on to McDavis tape in overtime? Well, I think I think they're both equally as great because the way he looks before he gets the pass, like the, like you always try to teach your young kids nowadays to pre-scan, like try to look before you get the puck, and you know you're, you're on him all the time. Like you got to know a play before you get it. The way he's the ability for him to look before and make those passes, like on his backhand, spin around, spin around with backhand, forehand. Like he's just as good as passer as most most NHL players are on their forehand, which is pretty scary, and it's. Uh, I mean, those guys, that ability to pre-scan and look where he is and see, see plays before they're really even happening are pretty cool. And to watch that is, is pretty amazing. And I think I think both both of those passes were equally as good. I think maybe the one to, to like Dave is a little better because I think, uh, I don't know who, is, who else was in the area. Maybe Hyman was in the area too that one way to pass the Dugan Hopkins. So maybe maybe he was going to him too. Maybe he got a little lucky going to Dugan Hopkins, but it was just like two guys are in that area. But the one to McDavid was down and he passed it harder than most people do on their forehand, which is pretty cool. When you were on the ice, and I asked Kelly Rudy this earlier in the show from a former goaltender's perspective, when you were on the ice with a, an elite passer, 
Like, how nerve-wracking was that? Because how, how worried do you have to be that he's seeing something that maybe you and your line mates can't even imagine? Well, a lot of times you can't even take away stuff they, they're seeing because they, they see they, you're putting your, they, they move your stick with their eyes and they move your stick with where their body is and they move your stick out of the way of the passing lane so they can, they can create that hole to people. So it's pretty cool. Like I don't think anybody knew in their right mind that uh, Dry Sutter was making a spin around backhand pass all the way up the ice to McDavid. Most people think he his forehand and then try to whip it up the ice that way. That, that's, uh, that's just his ability to, to look off people and make them go one direction and, and make a pass the other. And, and Sometimes there's really no defense to, to help you that. And like you said, that, yeah, that's, that's a scary part. I know going against Doctor and, and, and uh, he's one of those guys who could do that, look, look you off with his eyes and his body and and going against him in a practice and power play, I was a penalty, penalty kill guy in practice. It was, it was it was pretty embarrassing at times where he just opened up seams and passed it right by you. All right, a couple more for you, Jason. I, I know you uh, like a lot of players. You 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 never fully acknowledge your accomplishments, but you did something pretty cool. And I've never asked you about this before in the years of interviewing you. Like speaking of goals. You know, later in a career like Ovechkin is doing, you got your second 20th goal season, a 20-goal season at the age of 36, and then you did it again at the age of 37 with different teams, uh, Washington and the Islanders. What, like, what do you attribute those those late career offensive years to? Well, I think I think. Uh Two things. I think um, you know, my wife introduced me to you know, healthy way eating when I when, I, when we started uh, living together when I was in the NHL and kind of I, I never ate better when she when she was and, and my trainer uh, Barry Butt who's premier strength here in Edmonton that kept me kept me useful and kept me going with all these years and really he wanted me to keep up with all, all the young guys and kind of keep my speed and keep the strength and so. Um, and maybe just a little more calmness about you. I think you um, you realize that you, as you get older, you really realize how lucky you are to be playing in the NHL. And I think you take it for granted way younger a bit. And, and as the years get uh, closer to your, your being done in the NHL, I think you really appreciate those years. And you later part of my career way more than I did my first part because I just enjoyed it more. I had more fun. I'm sure it was stressful, but I just. I just soaked it all in because I knew it was going to come to an end sometime, and maybe that has something to do with it too. I don't know, but it was just, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to score. Uh, you know, it was, like you said, 36, 37 years old and scored back to back 20 goal seasons. That's pretty, it's pretty cool. All right, and my last one for you is the, the playoffs are right around the corner. Does does the conversation change in a dressing room, or does anything need to be said? Like the guys sort of sense, like, all right, we we got to really get in this mode. You know, and the Oilers had a couple of games. Seattle, San Jose, maybe they didn't play great, but they still won. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? Yep. I, well, there's there's like all, all you know, season, as you know, season always wrap up during the year and the preseason for for vets are just trying to get through without getting hurt. And the first part of the season is pretty sloppy, and refs are calling everything, so it's kind of a power play penalty kill fast and then before Christmas it gets you know guys will get a little excited for Christmas break so they go a little harder than after Christmas it gets a little sloppy then when it gets to February March and March and you get the last 15 games that's that becomes playoff hockey it, it, the hockey becomes really good and and you know a lot of those teams are playing free willing like uh, San Jose and, and Arizona they're tough to beat because they're got a bunch of young guys in the lineup they're trying to prove their worth they're trying to they're trying to make uh, a name for themselves for next year and those those games were the toughest games to play because 
they're just playing freewheeling, maybe maybe not so much system wise, and you don't know really really know where they are. And but you know, kudos to them. They got some wins against those guys, and like they have to battle through it, which is great. You find good good teams find a way to win, and they're doing that now. And which is and, and their power play is not clicking as much as it used to be, so which is great too. That's you don't need that during the playoffs. All right, that's Jason Shamara as we bring you a best of edition of Inside Sports tonight. Oilers back at it tomorrow against the Sharks. Huge story a couple of days ago. Ryan Nugent Hopkins got to 100 points in a season. Luke Gazdick with his reaction coming up.